This is Taji Senior. This is Simone Emmett. This is Sade M. Jones. And you're listening to the new Manifest Theater Podcast. Hello and welcome to the New Manifest Theater Podcast. I'm Faith Anderson, a New Manifest Theater Ensemble member and your host. In our next several podcasts, we will be highlighting members of our Black artist community here in Austin, Texas. Today we are talking with writer and performer Taji Sr., director Simone Emmett, and movement choreographer Sade Jones, the team behind Salvage Vanguard Theater's upcoming production of Amendment, the making of an American myth or the slow sipping of a peacock tea. As we get into our discussion, will you please go around and introduce yourself and your role in this production? I'm Taji Senior, and I'm playwright performer. I am Simone Emmett, and I am the director. And I'm Sade M. Jones, and I am the movement and choreography director. Yes, thank you all so much for being here today. And Taji, as the performer and the writer, could you talk a little bit about your inspiration behind this production? Sure, absolutely, yeah. So uh, about three years ago, I got the opportunity to, um, well, I should back up and say really at the twenty end of 2016, Adrian Dawes, who is like legendary in Austin's theater community. And I'm very privileged and blessed to call her a friend and a mentor kept being like, Hey, so yeah, when you write your solo show and I kept being like, mm-hmm, with no intention of writing a solo show. And um, she just kept saying it, kept saying it. And I was not even thinking about it. And then Salvage Vanguard was like, Hey, so Adrian told us you're writing a solo show. And um, we are producing this works in progress series. And if you, you know, want to work on something, we'd love to support you. So I wrote this 20 minute show that's like three monologues where I was really hoping, hoping to critique and examine the Constitution and how it relates specifically to black people and how it defines humanity for black people. And uh close but no cigar or probably cigar but not even close like I was not <laughs> it was not it, was, it wasn't the show that I wanted to write but it was good to get it out into the world and get it onto the page and then I you know stepped away from it for a number of years that went up in 2017 stepped away from it for a number of years and um I had been thinking about it in recent months and I reached out to Kate Taylor, who's now artistic director of SVT, and she and she and I got to talking, and we originally intended to just mount the three monologue 2017 version of Amendment, but I went back and started revisiting the text, and over the past, I would say maybe nine to ten months, I've been reading um, Killing the Black Body, The Meaning of Race, Reproduction, and Liberty by Dorothy E. Roberts, which is this sort of examination of how Black women are left off of traditional feminist agendas and ideology and how reproductive rights um, are typically left off of civil rights agendas. So black women this and black mothers in particular are sort of left doubly unprotected by, this, um, by these oversights. And she starts off that book sort of framing America's first relationship with black maternity through the lens of slavery and through the institution of slavery. And I began thinking about 
how for black people, there are no protections in the amendment or the amendment or the constitution, excuse me, was not written for black people. And then how, as you know, we started to evolve as a society, there are still no protections, no real protections for black mothers. And um, yeah, that led us to kind of the show that we're working with now. Wow, that's that's beautiful and very timely, especially when a lot of people are examining you know, the the mortality rates when it comes to new black mothers and just all the difficulties um, that go that black women experience um, when it comes to our system. Um, with all of that being the vision um, and the inspiration behind this production, uh, Sade, can you uh, talk to how movement is being incorporated in this piece? Yeah, absolutely. So it is always a pleasure and an honor to work with the beautiful being named Taji. Um, I always feel like our work is, it happens in sync or in parallel to each other. And so um, while Taji was doing this work or thinking about it, I've been um, working um, with Ashe Arts on um, Warrior Goddess King which was the um, idea of the idea of black girl magic, not necessarily being something to singularly be heralded, but to kind of open up the discussion on what it takes to become extraordinary and the lengths and the, the things that one has to go through in order to transmute in that alchemical process and how it shows up in the bodies of um, black women. And so when she talked about amendment, I was really interested in it. And in this piece in particular, um, really walking that line between um, the idea of Black women being magical and embodying that um, sense, but embodying it in practical ways, not this kind of like far outreaching idea of what this superhero F on her chest Black woman looks like, but actually what it looks like in daily practice, what it looks like in, in the internal sense of it and how it shows up or doesn't show up and is often suffocated in our body. Ooh, um, I love that. Um, the idea of Black women being, you know, supernatural is is one that we kind of live by in order for us to kind of survive and get us through. But to talk about how that is a very literal thing and how we need those powers and how that shows up day to day is 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 just beautiful dynamic to explore. And I, I can't wait to see <laughs> see how how that is incorporated in this. And with all of that, uh, Simone, what what have been your biggest challenges directing this piece? Mm. Um I would say I would say, I mean, Taji and I have been uh, in conversation about, um, so we're sort of walking this line between um, moments in the play that are more grounded in reality and moments in the play that sort of, um, that sort of lean in the direction of of surrealism and sort of um, abstracting um, some of these experiences and witnesses that are called to the stand and, kind of um, walking this line of, of when those moments are and when are moments that, um, that we sort of um, 
want the audience to just, we want to just sort of connect with the audience in a way of like, look, this is, this is what it is. And this is what has happened. And um, this lie that is the constitution is killing us, right? Literally killing us as, as black um, community members and has been for decades, for centuries, right? So, um, and when are those moments? And when are moments when we can just sort of like express that with the body, express that with um, um, audio and visuals, express that with sound um, and sort of, of get that across. So I wouldn't necessarily call that a challenge. Um, it's been really um, beautiful and really fun to explore what that looks like. And especially in new work, like these questions that come up in rehearsal really inform for Taji to inform the writing and inform what's getting across and inform um, new questions that she wants to ask the audience. It's been really beautiful actually to be part of that process as the script is sort of evolving. Um, and so I wouldn't call it a challenge, but it has been, um, it has been an exploration, an exploration that, that presents um, new ideas um, and new opportunities to sort of step outside of, of um, what we <laughs> what we thought we were going into this play with, and sort of asking ourselves questions um, that we didn't really anticipate, but that have really presented beautiful opportunities and ways to share this story. Um, so yeah, exploration and new work, um, sort of walking this line of moments grounded in reality and moments that are more surreal, um, which has been really really beautiful. Mm. Right. So have you encountered any challenges or how have you all adjusted with the pandemic with, as far as just getting this production on its feet? <laughs> uh, I'll take that one. <laughs> it's gnarly. We should say that Simone, our director, is in the Bay. Um, Sade and I are here in Austin um, it, in some ways it's been smoother, I feel like, than other rehearsal processes just because we are on Zoom and so we are recording our rehearsals so, and they're being uploaded every day so the entire team can go back and look at rehearsals where normally that wouldn't happen. We would just have to rely on um, rehearsal reports and conversations, but now there are like timestamps where we can be like, well, we talked about this at this point. So you can go and witness that conversation and, you know, designers can see earlier how movement is shaping, how, how the world of the play is being shaped. And I feel like can be part of the end, part of the conversation sooner. I would say um, there is a sort of, um, when Sade and I are in the room together, we are masked and just not being able to see everyone's or the entirety of her face and, you know, her not being able to see mine. And, you know, Sade is, you know, like a kindred spirit. And so not being able to hug her um, or physically touch her and ha not so much of her work, and I'll let her speak more about that, but I'll just say so much of her work is about the body and about touch and about connection in that way and not being able to do that especially with a team that is made up a creative team that is made up primarily of black women for us not to be able to commune in that way um it's difficult and it's 
it's I don't want to say sad, but um, because we still get to do it, and I think we're doing really great despite that challenge. But I, I feel like that for me, that's the biggest barrier. Like Simone's not, you know, in the room with us, and when she gets in the room with us, there will still have to be distance and masks and you know all of those safety precautions. Wow. Yes, and you spoke it on. You spoke about it briefly, Taji. But Shade, could you? Tell a little bit about how that is changing um, as it influences your movement. Yeah, it's kind of what Taji was talking about, about um, as Black women doing this work and the way that um, I listen and work viscerally with what is in the body and what has shown up for generations, right? We're not just doing this work just for this moment in time that people are kind of like jumping on this bandwagon with this is work that our ancestors and predecessors have been doing for, for years and years and years. And one of the grace points, I'll call it, um, is being able to, at the end of the work, connect in one way that black women that I've been, that I've been, had the pleasure of working with tend to connect after doing this work and reclaiming our body from the trauma that exists in it is touch. And so to not be able to hug Taji or to not be able to readily, well, I'll say that later, to not be able to hug Taji, to not be able to physically meet Simone or Val was the um, stage manager of the production and kind of be in physical proximity, um, it takes more work. It takes more energetic reserves to be able to um, to connect and to be able to disengage from that trauma and not take it home or not, you know, or not take it on and have it have that switch on all the time. Um, and then not being able to see, you know, the person who you're working with is in Taji or face. Um, it takes a little bit longer and there's a delay in communication where we're usually able to kind of ping pong back and forth, I noticed that it takes a little bit, a little bit more. Um, so, you know, we tire anyway. And so it's just <laughs> making sure that we take precautions to not have an extra layer of tiredness in doing this work and really practicing um, embodied and radical self-care during the course of this production. Ooh, yes, because we 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 know that self-care is important. I really, really t- was touched uh, about you saying just the part on reclaiming our bodies through touch. Um, that was powerful. Um, but moving forward, would you all tell me um, a little bit about yourself and where your love for theater started? Um, I can share. Um, I would say, so I, I do identify as a um, director, performer, educator. Um, I am a certified K through 12, um, theater educator. Um, and in my work with young people, um, found that I, I really love, um, creating and developing and devising new work. So I feel like that's sort of the direction that I'm sort of um, going with as a director, as a creator. Um, But I will say that I I wasn't really raised around like going to the theater and 
going to art galleries and doing the things, but I did go to like a performing arts elementary school where I was, you know, in tap and, and, um, you know, taking art classes and was always involved in art and a sort of creative environment and sort of really, um, loved and started to hone in on, on, um, on my sort of creative growth at a really young age and honed in more on sort of theatrical part of that in high school at Booker T in Dallas and really created a lot of those connections there. Like a lot of people that I um, like to create with and develop work with and um, commune with and network with are still some of those people from Booker T and from Austin UT and just the Austin theater community. So um, finding that, that sense of like community and um, not just networking, but just establishing family um, within the theater community has really drived my work and uh, my desire to create more work for um, for people of color, by people of color, um, for young people, by young people, you know, for um, the queer community, by the queer community, you know, just really amplifying voices that I, that I um, feel like and I know um, have often been silenced and oppressed. So that's really where my work is starting to center um, and, you know, kind of continuing that even now. Yeah, that's beautiful. And Taji, how about you? Yeah, so um, my undergraduate degree is um, in journalism. Like I grew up, so I grew up partially in Amarillo, Texas and partially in Philly. And like my mom was always really kind of like, like into the arts. And so she would take me to like, I have all kinds of performances. There are, um, there's this big African festival called Odunde. And so like we would go there and I would, you know, just see, you know, street performers everywhere. And, you know, whenever she could scrap up money for like little cheap tickets to see stuff. Like I went to go see this production of Fame when I was like 10 and that was really big. So I, I've always really, um, and that's always like the way that I've like, it's been easiest for me to express myself. Um, but I, when it was time for me to go to school, um, my family was like, well, listen, we'll support you and whatever, but we've noticed that you enjoy food and eating and having a roof over your head. <laughs> <laughs> you, maybe you consider, you know, you also like writing, maybe you consider journalism. And so, yeah, I didn't even have the wherewithal to think like, oh, well, yeah, I'll go to school for journalism, but I will audition for plays or whatever. I think, you know, because I, I went to high school in, um, in Amarillo, Texas, and the theater program was just really white, and I just didn't really see myself in it and just didn't see a, a place for myself in it. And so I stepped away from it for a number of years, and then five years ago... I um, started Googling community theater and started performing in Austin. And um, the community here is remarkable. I know almost my entire production team, um, with the exception of like one person, I know this entire team from um, the Austin community. And I'm currently um, at UCLA earning my MFA in acting and I don't get to UCLA or any of the work that I've done outside of Austin without this 
theater community and without this community in general. So yeah, um, I really got to cut my artistic teeth and you know start to define and identify myself as an artist here. Wow. And, yeah, just been kind of doing that work ever since. Wow. So just five years really um, just specifying your theater voice, correct? Yeah, I did my first professional show in Austin at the Vortex. I did my first professional show ever. Wow. And at the Vortex in 2015. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Sade, how about you? Could you tell us about where your love for dance and theater started? Yeah, um, I've been on the, I've been skimming the line between dance and theater for a long time. Um, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York in the late 80s, early 90s when it was the best. And I think like that. Um, and um, <laughs> I had um, a singer and a drummer for a dad and a dancer for a mom. Um, and so I kind of grew up in the world of art, being in New York, going to Broadway shows. Um, and I ran from theater my whole life until I got to Austin and I couldn't, there was nowhere else to go. Um, but dance kind of took on took the place of that. I started out, my mom took me to go see many um, different Broadway productions, but Bob Fosse was the first one. And I remember being on the edge of my chair from the moment that the curtain opened. And I remember I was maybe like nine or 10 or something like that. And just maybe like 10. And I was just so pissed off. And my mom was like, why are you so, so upset after the show? And I was like, because I should be up there. And, you know, it's just absurd that a 10 year old thinks that they should be up on stage at like these professional dancers who are like in their like late twenties, early thirties. Right. But I, I really felt like I, I, that's just where I was supposed to be. And I was really upset with all of the adults around me for like not getting me to that place already at 10. Um, and so then I kind of knew that I wouldn't want to take that path. Um, similar story to Taji, um, just people in general telling me that, you know, dancers don't make a lot of money and they kind of tend to live in packs of five or six or seven in an apartment in New York. And so should probably do something else. And I've always had affinity for psychology. And so I went to school at a place, my undergrad, I got my both graduate and undergraduate degrees in social psychology and identity development. And my undergraduate um, school, uh, William Smith was, um, very unique at that time in the sense that you can make up and create your own majors and minors. And so I did. Um, I majored in psychology and then I minored in um, dance and social justice. And what that did was it allowed me to put together and piece together dance and theater and um, the concept of choreo poems and you know, cultural discourse with psychology, which is usually something that Black folks don't have access to at least not in that kind of way. Um, and so ever since then, I've been, I've been doing that work. I came to UT um, to further my degree in psychology and messed around and got outside of the ivory tower into Austin, Austin, and fell in love with the different spoken word and open night um, events in the community uh, altogether and kind of got thrown into... Um, the deep end, I would say, with Ashe Arts and, you know, parents just like Simone teaching at a middle school uh, and parents just throwing me their kids and creating a program out of just always having 
kind of mother duck and having these little ducklings following me around all the time. Um, and that turned into something completely um, not what I have imagined, which is being this uh, conduit for um, cultural discourse through my body as well as through my words, either written or performed. And so I'm just really blessed to have created a career and a life here in Austin that is of a consequence um, artistically, solely and completely artistically. It's a real beautiful thing. Well, Sade, how are you staying inspired during this challenging time in history? Oh, you know, um, by the <laughs> by the phone calls of people like, how can we figure this out? You know, um, by people just needing, you know, art is not just entertainment, or I would say art is very separate from entertainment when we're talking about like the purity of it. And um, people need art for healing. People need art for remembering um, and for creating newness that's based on past. And so a lot of um, Zoom classes and workshops and things of that nature um, really geared toward how we can turn what is now coming into entertainment and go back to the roots of using art for healing at this time. It's just really potent right now. And so I find my career, I had to do a really big pivot and I find my career going in a different trajectory, showing up in places of um, advocacy, policy, politics, and change making, like in those circles and using art as a way for people in those, in those realms to really connect authentically to who they are and why they're doing what they're doing and what self they're bringing to that table. Um, so that just completely blindsided me. And that's how I've been able to maintain creativity as well as working on projects like this one with Taji. Absolutely. And Taji, how about you? Are you writing? Do you find yourself writing more or how are you staying inspired? <laughs> um, I laugh at that because I would love to be this like disciplined Tony Morrison person who like <laughs> at 5 a.m. and like writes every day. But I mean, honestly, Faith, I don't I really I honestly don't know how I have like a career or a livelihood because I don't ever want to do anything ever like it. It's <laughs> so much to get me to like want to do stuff like I just don't ever want to do anything but I will say um because I have yet to um trap a basketball player and have to like (laughs) (laughs) this seems like the most fun thing to do um and so that being said um I guess what I've been trying to get in the practice of if it's not showing up to the page every day has just really trying to be in the practice of of being really, really open to what is around me, like really in a, and not intellectualizing it, like really trying to get to a place where, like a thing that I've learned and a thing that has served me well to this point is using intellect as a defense. And it's like, okay, great. That helped you survive to this point, but it's keeping you from a visceral part of your experience. Like, what is it to just feel things and just be in the world? And one of my mentors, Carrie Fountain, has this practice of every day you write down three things that happened in the last 24 hours that you otherwise wouldn't remember had you not written it down. And it is like really been helping me 
see just the world around me in a really, I guess, more interesting or new way. Like, like yesterday or a couple earlier this week, I was in the back of a lift and I just so happened to look over and the driver had his hand on something dangling from a, a rear view mirror. And when he took his hand away, I realized it was like a broken cross. And I was like, huh, what is that? A broken cross on a rear view mirror. Wow. What's that? What is, and you know, and just like sort of sitting with that imagery and um, yeah, just trying to really be open to everything around me and really just trying to like, really see people and really see the world and not using my intellect to be a barrier between me and people and me and the world and just trying to and trying to be moved or uh, just allow myself to be moved by by those things and and yeah um as it relates to the show Simone and I have been talking a lot about um the work of Carol Walker um and black women but oh my gosh they're just so many black women whose whose work I sit with and like who whose language has helped me define and understand myself. So I'm always sort of like thinking about June Jordan and Lucille Clifton and Toni Morrison. Ooh. And just always sort of just like ruminating on them and, and Tony K. Bambara and finding myself like just every time I return to their work, finding myself in their language is sort of like what has been over the past four months really been keeping my head and my heart up. Yeah, and that was beautifully said. You've introduced the idea of self-care via compassion and and being receptive to the world around you and uh, simply just being um, and letting that keeping you inspired. And I appreciate that so much. We're gonna take a short break for a community announcement. Mark your calendars. Manifest Manifest, our virtual short play festival, is September 24th through the 26th. This year, we are presenting four short plays and four artist workshops, including a playwriting workshop from Christiana Ray Cologne and Idris Goodwin. More information can be found on our social media and website at newmanifest.org. Simone, how have you been inspired during this time? Mm, I would say, um, <clears throat> I think when I, when I started 2020 pre COVID, uh, like a month pre COVID, I told myself, this is going to be the year where I say yes, where I say yes to opportunities. I say yes to, um, to going out and meeting new people, especially being sort of new in the Bay area and, you know, just had this mentality of like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna try to put myself out there. I'm sort of that introverted extrovert, like that, like theater person at the theater parties. that's just kind of sitting in the corner, chilling, observing, watching things. Yes, right? I know. Sipping on my little wine, laughing, right? <laughs> and so I told myself, you know, 2020 is a year where I'm just going to say yes to the things. I'm going to, um, you know, just, you know, go with my uh, Shonda Rhimes. Um, just yes, yes to opportunity. Uh, yes, yes to all the things and just saying yes to the world. And then COVID happened. 
And um, there were just so many opportunities to say, well, uh, hell no, because one, things are closed. And two, like the world is changing. And then this revolution started to happen within the black community and just all all over the world. And um, um, then it was just like, now I feel no, I I don't feel any, um, like, yes, I need to be present, but also like, outside of those moments of like needing to show up and needing to share posts or feeling like I need to share resources and like that, those first few weeks of like, we just had to be present every single day and doing all the things. It was just exhausting. And I felt like I just had to turn myself off and just say no to everything. Like people would text me and I would just tell myself, you know what, it's okay. I don't have to text them back right away. I'm going to wait a couple of days. Like, you know what, I'm going to shut everything off um, and just sit and just, Uh, It was just sort of this complete reverse of what I was trying to do in this year, which I'm sure (laughs) a lot of people can relate to because we just had to shut everything off this year with with just the way the world um, has been operating or I guess not operating. (laughs) Um, But I I think um, it's sort of evolved now into this like... um, into this like understanding of when it's okay to say yes to... um, to moments of like healing and moments that I, and like opportunities that I know will be healing for myself and my community and my people. Um, like this, when Taji called me, it could have been, I could have easily just said like, I mean, no, I shouldn't travel. No, we can't do that. No, we can't do this. Like, how is that going to work? And as soon as she started talking to me about the inspiration for this work and what amendment was, it was sort of that moment of like, just feeling on fire and I think moments like that where I know that I need to follow that instinct of like this is important work not only for myself for healing but for the people who are going to be a part of it the people who could potentially experience it um and it was just that moment of like okay this is something I can say yes to no matter what obstacles we know we're going to come across no matter um you know that thing in the back of my head that's just going to say like no how can we do this um, following that instinct to um, open up opportunities for healing, open up opportunities to create and sort of liven up that that part that we've sort of been suppressing because of the world that we live in that has all these restrictions and limitations and shutdowns and theaters being closed and organizations shutting down and budgets being cut. And um, it's so easy to just say no because of everything um, that's also just sort of shutting down so easy to just shut yourself down too. Um, But I think following that instinct and that fire and that excitement to create, that excitement to um, just kind of grow community and sort of break virtual bread um, has been so rewarding because it's been amazing to just connect with with this team via Zoom. And it's been amazing to, um, to have these conversations about what this work is and why we're doing it and what each moment means. Um, And it has been so healing to to be in these conversations, be in these Zoom rooms, be in the virtual room with Taji in rehearsal. Um, And I feel like it's sort of making me not only feel like, yes, I'm continuing working, yes, I'm staying busy. And yes, I can sort of like keep track of the days. Like July has felt like I knew what happened each day as opposed to March through June, (laughs) you know, so. there's that and like feeling connected to people feeling connected to other 
um, black people feeling connected to other black women has been so, so, so powerful. So I think just saying yes to opportunities to heal and not being afraid of the obstacles that might come along with that, um, has, has been a way for me to sort of, um, stay inspired and stay mentally, emotionally, physically healthy and keeping these routines and being present. Absolutely. And we know that healing is, is the hard part. So saying Mm -hmm. yes to those opportunities is important, especially because I've personally feel like they're few and far between, um, especially with the way some production occur, you know, they're, um, someone said earlier about entertainment versus healing. I, w- I believe that was Sade. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I, I respect that you all have taken this time to use this production to heal for yourselves, but also um, hopefully offer it as a way for others to heal. Um, and just with, with all of that, I was just curious uh, whose idea was it for the drive-in theater or, and how is that going to go, go about? Yeah. Taji, was that Kate or was that you and Kate? Or I think that that happened, that conversation happened early in the process and they presented it to me and I was like, Whoa, okay. never heard of that, but let's go. I'm not sure where that came from. It was Kate. It was Kate. Yeah. (laughs) Called and said, let's do I don't want to do a zoom production of anything like I just I'm not into it I don't want to do it but let's do a live stream it's a solo performance so it'll be it should be considerably safer than trying to mount a regular production and it won't take much it'll just be a little 20 minutes (laughs) (laughs) three monologues quick thing so we can raise money for some organization and (laughs) It'll be so easy. And then (laughs) um, she was like, well, what if we also did some drive-in performances? And so that um, sparked, uh, that, that, that made me want to revisit the text even more because I was initially just planning on doing like, small little cleanups but it became this whole that that original piece ended up just being a seed. So, um, we are actually like, there's an email thread happening right now as we are looking at car configuration for um, the drive-in at Rocky Ranch on August 22nd and 23rd and um, how cars are going to fit into this space. And, you know, I'll, it'll be nighttime and I'll be outside and we'll, you know, um, Simone and Zach, our technical director and Kate, are all working so diligently and thoughtfully and creative. And, and we should say our entire team is working so diligently and thoughtfully and creatively um, about like, you know, building a stage and or a platform at least and um, how cars are going to fit into the space. So yeah, um, that was, that, that goes to the, the great and mighty Kate. That was her idea. And who, who's Kate for this production? Kate is the artistic director of Salvage Vanguard Theater. So she, you know, here's an interesting, um, for folks, in this current moment, there's a lot of dialogue and conversation and happening around like equality and equity. And I should say that Kate as a producer who like, you know, is putting up 
that or is taking on the financial responsibility of producing this production, I think is an example of um, creating opportunities of equity and not just equality for people of color. Like she has been really diligent and thoughtful about, like our entire creative team is folks of color. It's not just a black body on stage and then a bunch of white making aesthetic and creative decisions and choices around that body um she has been really sort of um she's been key to that um and 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 really not only supportive but an advocate of that and um yeah so kate taylor artistic director of salvage vanguard theater which is um producing the show Great. And Taji, do you have any advice to share for aspiring artists just starting their careers? Oh, I mean, I think the number one thing is like, don't look to anyone else to help you define your artistry. You know, you you really have to whomever you think you are as an artist and whoever you want to show up in the world as an artist it's probably not going to be that far from who you are as a person. And you can't look to anyone else to help define that for you. And I think the beauty of like that particular intersection is that just by virtue of you being here, that means it's valid, right? Like you wouldn't exist if it weren't a valid expression. Um, So just there are things that you are going to identify with lean into those things and let those things help guide you into the things that you think you like or the things that you think are you are interested in especially like folks of color especially like folks of color in western societies where there is like this uncanny reverence for like this white eurocentric canon um that it is such a weird thing to show. Like, I love Shakespeare. Don't misunderstand me. But I love Shakespeare because I can see my, like, I am, when I'm able to see myself, when I'm looking at the characters as people and not white people and not white people as the default. So all of that to say, um, that is a, a really flowery way to say be yourself. <laughs> but that's truly my my advice is just, you know, get clear, get very, very clear on who you are and how you want to show up for your work and how you want to show up in the world. And everything will start to, you know, sort of fall in right alignment and the shit that's, or sorry, the things that aren't for you and the work that isn't for you and the things that don't support or aren't in right alignment with who you are, how you show up in the world, that'll fall to the wayside and your work will be so much better for it. I guess, and I also feel like I should say something like pragmatically, because when I hear other people answer these questions, I'm like, great. So how do you eat? Um, I don't have an answer for that in this moment as the industry is changing and I also haven't figured it out for myself. It's a lot of work. Um, It's a lot of work. Um, But that's not a deterrent, you know? It'll be the thing that, like, you'll know it's right for you because you'll get up in the morning. You'll be like, I'm tired, but I'm so stoked to get up and, like, push this boulder up that hill. Um, And so take care of yourself save your money when you can. Um, yeah, that's, that's, 
I hope that's helpful to somebody. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that was that was great. Uh, Sade or Simone, do you have anything to add to that? Any advice? Shade, you yeah, uh, to anchor anchor in in what your truth is and operationalize it. Um, make it a beingness instead of a doing and really um really try to feel like feel it and embody it inside of your whole self so it's not necessarily just like the theory of your work or the theory of who you are um but the actual embodiment of it check in with yourself always about like does this even feel right in my body you'd be surprised how much your body knows things and how much we ignore that intelligence so like really being with that and like when you're in a room with people, notice what your body is doing. And that'll let you know whether or not you need to move forward. When you, you know, are introduced, like you, Taji was saying, are introduced to some work, listen to what your body says initially and, and, and you'll know. I would also say finding an anchor and a grounding in whatever it is that connects you to source. So that way um, you always are a fountain and not a vessel because vessels pour out and become empty, but fountains replenish themselves. So that way you're not only looking to people to define you, you're also not looking um, for people to fulfill you or to give you that um, never ending compassion, grace, and joy. Mm, beautiful. Um, well said, Shade uh, and Taji. I would say um, sort of echoing off of what, what Taji had mentioned earlier, um, about the work being as fulfilling, right? I say follow any, any dream that you have, but also know that um, if the work is fulfilling to you, right, um, then, you know, if it, it really just needs to be as fulfilling to you as the payout is, right? Like knowing that you wake up every morning and you really enjoy the work that you're doing or the folks that you're doing it with, um, and I would say, um, back to her point too, about like knowing yourself, I would say, know your tribe, know your people, know the kind of people that you want to make work with. Um, and yes, like knowing yourself, but also like, I feel like community has been a big part of the work that I do and I'm very team oriented. Um, and I think if you, if you really know the type of people that you want to work with um, and they, like Shade said earlier, um, they sort of fill you up as much as you as as much as you put out into the world. They put back into you. Um, then you you found your people, and if you sort of surround yourself with other artists like that, other creators like that, um, just other people, other friends and family, and, and people who just sort of um, want to put back into you that you put out to the world, then you're doing it. Um, so finding that community, finding those people, but also knowing yourself and um, and knowing that you love the work that you do, that you love it as much as you love the payout or as much as you love the result, you love the process as much as you love the product. I feel like that has been really fulfilling to me and important for me to understand. So yeah, do that, find your tribe, find your people, find the people who wanna create work you wanna create and you'll find that they share resources for you. Just like Taji said earlier, like the pragmatic part of it, like putting a roof over your head and putting food in your mouth, um, like. I feel like I found so many resources from people and opportunities from people and skill sharing from people and things that have brought um, resources and, and money into my pocket because of what other people have shared with me. And there's so many, especially during COVID, like so many artists and artists of color and queer artists and 
um, people in, in my community have just been like sharing so many resources about where to apply for funds and where to apply for grants and all these different things because they know that we need it and they're pouring back into us what we put out into the world or what we give out to them. So um, finding that community and um, knowing that this is the work that you want to do. Ooh, ain't that the truth. Thank you yeah. so much for these gems. These gems, y'all are dropping gems right now. Um, and thank you so much for everything. This entire time, this entire discussion has been so fulfilling for me. Um, and I'm sure the audience will agree. Uh, how how um, can we keep up with you all? And what projects are you working on besides amendment, if there are any? Just um, how can we follow you all? Yeah, I'll say, I think if you want to follow along with like the production, the best place, like uh, Salvage Vanguard's Instagram page is like keeping like the production team is featured on there. Um, Tickets go on sale for the drive-in on August 1st, but like the, when we get the link for the live stream, informational about that will be there on the website. my website is just tajisenior.com. You could go to my Instagram. I feel like it would be wholly unfulfilling to you. <laughs> but um, it's there. It's really just Insta stories about astrology and Donald Glover. Um, but yeah, and and um, after this, I head back to school. So this is it for me for a while. Yeah, Um I I would say, yeah, definitely check out SVT's social media page, their website for updates about amendment. Um, I'm also on social media, um, on, on Instagram. So you can find me there. I'm tagged in some of those posts there. Um, but my handle is a bad girl CC, like our <laughs> bad, bad gal Riri. Um, but yeah, I'm there. Um, posting the things, sharing the things, sharing resources, um, sharing music uh, as a DJ also um, with a collective of all femme and non-binary vinyl DJs. So you can get a little bit of that there too. Um, And also have a a website, but I've been sort of revamping. um, So I won't share that just yet, but you can find me there. And also working on um, a campaign called Hashtag Enough, Plays to End Gun Violence. And that is sort of a a play submission um, series for sixth through 12th graders to submit plays to continue a conversation on how gun violence impacts their communities. So we just got our submissions back in June. We've got a panel of professional playwrights from Idris Goodwin to um, Lauren Gunderson, um, all types of folks looking through those plays and picking some finalists to um, have their plays read aloud uh, in a live stream or hope maybe... Uh, sort of a live event in um, December. So that's something we're working on. That's also on my Instagram. I can share information about that website too. Simone, I had no idea that you were a DJ. You see, this is the distancing thing, right? Because <laughs> right? we kind of had to get into into the work immediately. And so like, I'm fascinated right now. I'm like staring at your picture. Right. Is that the name of your uh, collective? The collective. 
Yeah, it's called Chilita Vinyl Club. Oh my it's actually, God. it started in Austin back in 2014. It sort of expanded through Texas and California. So we have seven chapters, uh, Austin, San Antonio, the RGV, San Diego, LA, Bay Area. Um, and so, yeah, we're sort of all over the place since, so, you know, now doing virtual DJ sets. But um, yeah, check us out. We are in Austin. There are those Chilitas there. So I'm excited to hopefully... Uh, maybe see them at a distance or um, invite them to come see the drive-in production. Yeah, I've totally heard about y'all. So like, this is a <laughs> small world. This is yeah, a small world. Uh, Sade, how about you? How can we keep up with you? Um, you can't. <laughs> um, too many things. Um, you can keep up with me um, by, again, checking out my work um, in amendment with Taji and with Simone um I will also on my Instagram be um pushing you know the insights that I'm um you know gaining from our work in the room on my Instagram page um it's a Shadeism S-A-D-E-I-Z-M um and so you can find me there as well as my website which is just S-A-D-E-I-Z-M dot com which is launched yesterday um so now I have all the all the focus here on amendment. Um, and I will be doing many things. I'll be at, at practice um, yoga Austin um, in their new initiative to try to um, pre- present equity in, in yoga community here in Austin, especially with um, uh, BIPOCs. And I'll be um, hosting dance classes for kids at Casa's Superhero Run, which is virtual. And all that information is just on my Instagrams. I'm pretty Instagram heavy these days. So I'd say that's the best way. Oh, man. Thank you so much. That's, whoa, that's so much that you do. I cannot wait to go look up and uh, look into all of that. Um, But again, thank you all so much for taking the time to talk with me. This has been so beautiful, so rewarding. And I cannot wait for um, this production of Amendment to check it out on the live stream and maybe even here at Austin, maybe I can get a ride. <laughs> maybe I can get a ride to the show. Um, but yeah, thank y'all so much for the time. Okay. Oh, thank you so much for having us. Deeply, deeply appreciate that. And it's been um, a privilege and an honor for sure. Yes. Agreed. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. New Manifest Theater. Uh, thank you, Faye. Thank you, Simone, the other Simone. Uh, for for making this happen y'all been so great to us absolutely and we really do appreciate it and the support um that both Taji and Simone were talking about within the theater community in Austin it's really beautiful thank you for tuning in to this episode of the new manifest theater podcast make sure to rate review and subscribe keep up to date on everything new manifest theater is doing at our website newmanifest.org and on social media at new manifest theater until next time <laughs>